I have called you all here today at the behest of Don DiManzo to discuss the expansion of our Jersey territory. Our Don has seen an opportunity to move into Atlantic City at an event called AC Boardwalk Con, which will be happening May 14th through the 17th, 2015. Don DiManzo has asked that some of our made men attend this convention and convince the locals to try two true freaks. Joining me, Gene Hendricks, on this trip will be my Quantum Cast cohort, Jeff Fishman. Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero, will be representing the Boston arm of the family, while Scott McGregor will be representing the New York branch. Our capo, Chris Honeywell, will also be there to provide some added persuasion. Your Don has asked that any of his loyal friends in the area come and pay their respects to this new endeavor. He reminds you that all the information on the event can be found at doacbc.com. That's doacbc.com. Come help us make Atlantic City an offer they can't refuse. Well, we know where we're going, but we don't know where we've been. And we know what we're knowing, but we can't say what we've seen. And we're not little children, and we know what we want and the future is certain. Give us time to work it out. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. This is a rock and roll museum. You guys don't belong in here. <laughs> yeah. They ranted. They fainted. They eyes were glassy. Some pulled their hair out. Some tore their dresses. They threw notes of a very. Uh, undesirable nature on the stage. I'll tell you all about it. Welcome to Long Play, a podcast where nerds rock out with their Spock out.
and welcome to another episode of Long Play. My name is Bob Fisher. And I'm Andrew Leyland. Andy, welcome back to Long Play. I love the way you said that like it was a shot that I was here. Oh, Andy, you're here. Oh, golly. <laughs> I forgot you were there. I know I was doing this on my own. And here we are. As if by magic, the shopkeeper appears. And boom, there he is. Well, last time we were together, uh, we did, we threw him a curve and uh, gave him, a, as you call it, a, uh, what do you call it, jingly jangly? Jingly jangly guitar indie pop. Indie pop, when we did Sundays, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Tonight, we are not doing the Sundays. We are doing something that had top 40 hits, that made it and had some, some major hits, but I would not call them a jingly jangly pop tune band. They're a little bit jingly jangly. A little bit, a little bit. Well, one of the things about the, the, the uh, group we're going to listen to tonight, the music we're listening to tonight, is we're setting precedence. This will be the uh, several firsts for long play. One of the firsts is the fact that this is a live album. Yeah, I didn't know if I was cheating with this, because I don't, I don't know if you have any rules per se for the show, <laughs> but I think one of them was there's no Greatest Hits albums, isn't it? Yes, we're not doing Greatest Hits. Albums. So right. I kind of like, I snuck a little, because I'm a little bit of an iconoclast when I want to be, and I kind of thought, well, this isn't a best of. And the live album in and of itself can be a completely different experience to an album. Absolutely. And I think this is one of the best of the live albums. Agreed. I am uh, uh, one of my personal favorite collecting things is collecting as many live albums uh, as I possibly can. I love to hear performers playing their music live. And yeah, I don't want it to sound like the record either. Right? No, not at all. No, and this doesn't. And, and this definitely does not. And I guess we've left them in suspense long enough, enough unless they actually read the the, the promo. <laughs> yeah, if you look at the picture that goes with the episode. I was like, do we actually do given that there's always a picture that accompanies the episode <laughs> right but if they uh just happen to be subscribers and oh hey here's a new long play i wonder what they're doing tonight uh it's not the sundays it is like we said we're breaking precedent a little bit it's not a greatest hits album but it is a live album and in my opinion one of the best live albums andy what's the name of this album we're doing tonight stop making sense by the talking heads Oh, no, that was just me telling you to stop making sense. Oh, 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 stop me. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) First song. I love the way this thing starts. Psycho Killer. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Yeah, I I love Stop Making Sense because I love how it begins. It's basically David Byrne walks onto stage with an acoustic guitar and says, I've got a song I want to play. And he plays the backing track on a cassette. On a on a beam boot beatbox that he's got with him, and then he plays Psycho Killer on his own, with nobody else with an acoustic guitar. Hi, I got a tape I want to play.
song starts out with him walking on the stage and he's got his big white suit on oh he's not got that on yet and he puts that on later oh i thought it shows him walking out with the tennis shoes and the white suit but you're right the yeah, oversized well, he has, he has got a white suit on, but, but the, big right, one, the, yeah. the big oversized one is later and he's got that little making from a distance in the audience which i loved when he did that change when he saw it live you never noticed the change but then all of a sudden it looked like his head shrunk yeah. It's a great illusion on stage. It was just terrific. But um, something about this, and I want to get some verification. Maybe the freaks out there or somebody will look it up. But uh, in prep for this uh, little show, I was reading about this version for the film. And I meant to run it to see because uh, they said in the notes for this song of the version in the film that as he walks out and says, I've got something I want to play for you, and he puts the little boom box down, pushes the play button, and then you hear the boom, pop, boom, pop, pop. You know, the drums start, and then he does his his acoustic guitar over top of it. Well, um, they said that that was done for effect, that the sound is actually coming from a Roland uh, keyboard in the back. That it if, probably makes sense. It's, yes. it's doubtful that a cassette player could fill that auditorium as well as it does. And when you look at it closely, there's no microphone. When he sits that little boombox down on the floor, there's no microphone in front of it, and it's not plugged into anything. But it's, so, that's just theatricality, isn't it? Theatricality it is. and deception. Um, it is. Which, and, which, you know, it's fine. And it worked for me until I was preparing to do the show. I never doubted at all, because I guess I didn't look at it that closely, but I never doubted that when he walked out and hit the play button and the drum started, I thought, well, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And I never and doubted it's, it's at all. It's not like he's miming. It's not no, like he's not playing live. Not at all. Not at all. It's totally played live. It's played by a live musician. He's just in the shading, or in the shadows, because the spotlight hadn't been turned on to anybody yet except David Byrne and that little boombox to one microphone and him playing it acoustically. It's just brilliant. But then when you listen, you start to hear the little bass come in and, and it's mimicking the drum thing. So that tells me it is probably true that it's the Roland keyboard um, synthesizer in the background doing doing that, but still doing it live, still doing it live. 
So yeah, I can live with that. I love Psycho Killer. I think it's a great way to start this off because it's the first song that they were known for and it's the first song on the first record, isn't it? It's the first one on 77. I love the lyrics. You start a conversation, you can't even finish it. When I have nothing to say, my lips are sealed. I love all of that. I, was David Byrne the first of the oddball leading men of a band? The first one who was a, bit, a little bit weird? Yes, Yes. Da- other David than David Bowie, Bowie. It was other strange. than David Bowie, well, David Bowie was just. He but he was, was just David Bowie, wasn't right? He? He's David Bowie. He, you know, it's almost like when you talk about the Beatles, you say Beatles and everybody else. When you talk about theater type uh, lead men, front men, bands that were really starting to do stuff, Byrne was one of the first. David Bowie is up there, but it's Bowie and then everybody else. Uh, Ziggy Stardust and all of the stuff that he was doing with the um, is he male, is he female, walking that line. Uh, that's all David Bowie. Nobody does it like Bowie. Uh, but when it came to this guy, David Byrne, and one of the things I that struck me looking at this again for uh, for this show was I started looking at pictures and I watched a little bit of the video and I saw, oh my God, he looks like a kid. He is so young when he's doing this stuff and writing these incredible lyrics it's just just that still i think uh will still always amaze me how could somebody in their 20s write when i'm 64 for example how did he know Mm. how did he know and i think the same thing about burn how did he know these songs stand up today that's why yeah this this does again this doesn't look like it's a concert from 1984 I mean, the only way you spot that it is in any way that old is the fact that David Burns Hurry is now completely grey. Yeah, the grey hair always kind of gives it away, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's no hiding that. But it, I, the, the, it opens up with Psycho Killer, and it's absolutely magnificent, and I love it. I love this version more than the one that's on 77, which is ultimately why I picked this record. Because when I was in high school, in the back end of the 80s, my best mate was Phil. And he was best man at my wedding. He's the only person I still stay in touch with from school. And he introduced me to Talking Heads and The Damned and all that punk stuff. But he, he liked all the punk stuff, but he liked all the weird or new wave art stuff as well. He was the one that liked Devo and he was the one that liked Kraftwerk. And he was the one that got me into Talking Heads. And if I had a favorite band in high school, it was Talking Heads because they were just that perfect mixture of the songs were good and catchy and interesting, but there was just enough there to put it ahead of bubblegum pop. Right. Well, your friend, Phil, is that his name? Yeah. Phil? Well, I like him. I like him. <laughs> uh, just in his he, taste he always was. He always was a weird 14-year-old, was Phil. And speaking of great music, a total <laughs> change of pace from Psycho Killer at least musically, is the second song on this album of this concert called Heaven. Oh, wait a 
What do you think of heaven? I love heaven because it's very, it's yeah, it's completely low key. It's completely different from what you've just seen. Uh, Listen to with Psycho Killer. Is it Tina Weymouth walks on stage with him for this one? Yes, I think that T- is. Weymouth. Tina Weymouth yeah. comes on stage next, don't you? And they do Heaven together, and it's a song about boredom, isn't it? It's exactly what it's about. It's a song about how everything's the same, nothing changes. There is a party, everyone is here, everyone will leave at exactly the same time. It's hard to imagine that nothing at all could be so much fun. And you're like, but is it really though? Because what you're saying is you'll get to the end of it and it just starts again, and it starts again, and it's the same thing. All of this has happened before, all of this will happen again. But it's a lovely song. Yeah, I love heaven. I've always loved heaven. Is that on? Uh, is that on Fear of Music or more songs about buildings and food? The original version. Uh, good question. Uh, if you say it, if you had just asked me, I would have said Fear of Music. That right, because it is again. First. It's completely different to the album version. Completely different. Completely I think it different. is Fear of Music. Fear of the Music was the one with the vinyl, wasn't it? Yes. And you put your hands over it. I'd like that embossed leaves on it. Yes. That was yeah. I think it's on Fear of Music. But yeah, again, completely different to the 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 album version, which is why I think I kind of got away with picking it because it is what every good live album should be. It's completely different to the versions that you can buy on record. Well, I think the beautiful thing about seeing uh, Talking Heads live, whether it's here or actually seeing them, is that, yes, you know the song, but it's different. It's not the version you know. And I, I just really love that. And I think this song is a great uh, example of that. And as you can tell now, and, and you'll see it more as the concert progresses, um, as each song progresses, he started out with the first song, Psycho Killer, acoustic version, giving the impression he's playing it by himself with an acoustic guitar. Spotlight's on him, he's all by himself. Second song is Heaven. It's a little more melodic. It's beautiful song going on. It's a change of pace. And he's got one more musician and another vocalist is now singing with him. And that continues throughout this concert. And I think that's just really, really terrific. Uh, one of the other concerts I saw back in the day, uh, in the 70s, uh, Stephen Stills did that. He did an, uh, an album once called, uh, well, it was, the album came out and one side was acoustic and the other side was electric. And that's how the concert was. Concert was amazing. He came out by himself with an acoustic guitar and a chair, sat there, and you don't, you didn't really notice what was happening, but because the other musicians came out quietly in the dark, but the first song by himself, acoustic, second song, him and one other member of his band sitting next to him, both with acoustic guitars, another song, until the end of the first side, all acoustic, we got five guys sitting there with acoustic guitars, and they and they just kept building and building. Second song starts out electric and just falls to the wall, all electric the whole time, and the concert was just like that. And when they started the electric music, you never even knew that the whole band was there. All of a sudden, it just went from this gorgeous acoustic Stephen Stills music to boom, there's the entire band. Oh, my God, this is incredible. And you get that same feel from this album, from Stop Making Sense, but even a little more gradual. He builds it song after song. And as each song progresses, the accompaniment changes, the instrumentation changes, 
and it builds and more layers. It's that's why this works as a live album and is not cheating and it's not a best of. <laughs> it's a little bit cheating. A little bit, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Uh, so Jerry Harrison comes on stage with them for Thank You for Sending Me an Angel, which is a really, really short song. Byrne was obsessed with identity and changing his look. And he, he, he was just at that little moment in celebrity culture where people were starting to dress like their heroes. And essentially, that's what this is about. With a little practice, you can walk, you can talk just like me. I love this song. I, I, I love it. Love this, this, this was definitely on more songs song. about buildings and food. Yes, and I, I, I love, love, love this song. In fact, this song, the next song, and the following song, those three in a row, uh, it's just, whoa, whoa. That we're starting to really kick it now. And uh, I, I just love this song. It's got great tempo. It's got great enthusiasm. And uh, I really don't know what he's saying too much. Uh, again, it's another one where the lyrics. Uh, but I do love the fact that Again, like Sundays, when you're mentioning that their lyrics were clever, uh, these lyrics are equally clever. Byrne loves to twist a phrase with his tongue firmly planted in his cheek. Mm. I think a lot of the bands that I like have a little bit of a sense of humour that is slightly odd. And sometimes I'm finding humour in things that people aren't necessarily finding humour in. Like, like I said, the Smiths. I find Morrissey hysterically funny. But I know there are people that want to open a vein when they listen to a Morrissey song. And both, both are equally valid. Both opinions are equal. Absolutely. Well, again, music. Music unlike any other form of entertainment, I think, is, is uh, personal. You know, it's their song. It's, it, you'll hear that. It's my song. It's uh, as if they wrote it. They're, many times, uh, John Lennon, this always used to amaze him, people would show up and say, you wrote that song for me. And John would say, no, 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 I didn't. I wrote it for me. People are alike all of them. All over, all over, and I just... No matter I where love, you come from. I love that. Uh, found a job, sees Chris France coming on. So all four major members of the band are now on stage. I love Found a Job. I love that it's told through dialogue in a lot of places. And it's a conversation between a husband and a wife. And essentially, it's about... If you're not happy in your life, do something about it. Change it. 
and it's told from the point of view of this husband and wife who decide that there's never anything on TV that they want to watch, so they start going about making up their own entertainment, and it ends up saving their marriage. Again, I love this song too. I think this uh, and the last one and this one—they flow so well together. It's it's the full core member of the band that you consider Talking Heads. They're now on stage with this song. They're all out there. Uh, he still has more to go. They'll still be adding some more stuff. Oh yeah, they'll start adding all the choir and extra members. And as they go through the entire concert, more and more people end up coming on stage a full credit list of which we can't seem to find even the album which i've got here doesn't credit everybody but as we go along it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and starts filling up the stage so what was just one man in the middle of this cavernous room is now a full a full choir and orchestra and by the time they get to the final track the stage is full of people i I just i love found a job because there's no chorus it's a story. It's a song as a story. And it's not the first time Talking Heads would do that. And it's not the last time that they'll do it on this record. Right. They have another one uh, three songs from now, I think, if it's the one we're both thinking about. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. it's and These are my favorite ones. And I think there also is... the fact that, as you say, there's no bridge. There's no chorus. It's the same thing. It's a... It's a... It's A A A A A. It's not A A B A. It's it's no. the, it's all A A A A A. And the story builds up as it goes. I mean, there's some repeated bits. Judy's in the bedroom, right. inventing situations. But it's not. They've not like got like a catchy chorus that they repeat four times until the bored of it. Exactly. And the fact that the way the song is built, that it layers that instruments are added and it builds and builds and builds, you get a feeling that while it's the same, it's different. It's building and more of the wonderful layers. We've got acoustic guitar going. We've got a Moog synthesizer. We've got a bass. We've got a full drum now. Uh, We've got layers and layers added and it's all still live and it's not as big as it's going to get. Next song. Slippery People. Is this a funny song or what? Yeah, because I have got a damn clue what this one's about. But Me it's neither, but I love listening to him about I people falling on their face. I love the way he sings it. What about the time you were falling over? Because he's not actually <laughs> singing. Fell on your face, you must be having fun. Walk lightly. I love David Byrne. He was just completely batshit crazy. And the chorus to this one's brilliant. What's the matter with him? He's all right. How do you know? The love won't matter. Don't play no games. All of that, that call and response thing that they've got going on in the chorus of this one. No, I have not got a clue what this song's about. Me neither, but I love what it but says, yeah, the way yeah. it says it. But sometimes you don't need to know. 
I mean, there may not be a deeper meaning to it. I mean, there probably is because he was an art student. Right. And art students are nothing if they're not pretentious. So there probably is some deeper meaning to it, but it's completely over my head. And I've had this album for years. Well, I've had it for, well, yeah, years too. And and I have no idea what it says. But let's listen to the opening of this because I love the opening. And and early on, he talks about slippery people falling on their faces. So uh, (laughs) let's do a little piece of that. Gotta get you to what's the matter with him? He's alright. Great, great stuff. Hard <laughs> as a bag of cats. Well, I think one of the interesting things about uh, David Byrne and the Talking Heads is that they did change at some point in the late 70s. I think it was maybe right around Psycho Killer time. Um, David Byrne took a trip. To the southern hemisphere somewhere brazil maybe when he came it influenced him dramatically and if you listen to the difference in the early burn and the later burn um, he's very early... influenced by the yeah by african music isn't it? african music and it's not reggae it's not ska it's not quite african it's bongos but there's a drum there's a rhythmical change that happened in his music he still had the edge, he still had the drive, it's still talking heads, there's no doubt in your mind when you hear it, it's talking heads, but it's no longer the straight driving kind of... Yeah, uh, it's not the new wave punk stuff of CBGBs by the time you get to Naked. Yeah, you know, exactly. It, it's hard to imagine the talking heads of 1978 writing nothing but flowers. Exactly, exactly. And that 
influence, it added, I think, so many different layers to the Talking Heads, and I think took them uh, from just being a punk band or a new wave band, because they weren't really a punk band, a new wave band, uh, to being, you know, within their own self. I don't think you could really call them anymore, and I think the whole category of new wave now is totally different than it was then. I mean, Talking Heads are a top 40 band. Uh, yeah. And particularly by the next tune we're getting to. Talk about top 40 hit. Yeah, if there's, if there's four songs that people think of when they think of Talking Heads, this is one of them. This is isn't it. it? Burning yeah. Down the House. Burning Down the House. Which was covered by Tom Jones as well. <laughs> yeah. So you, you know you've arrived when Tom Jones has covered one of your songs. Tom Jones. Down the house. Is that our entire commentary on this song to just yell the chorus? <laughs> That's pretty bad. That's pretty much it. Everybody yell the chorus. Again, it's it's lyrically all over the place because I respond more to the lyrics. But it just seems like it's someone who's who's getting rid of his old life and moving on. Yeah. To me. Yeah. You know, it could be about something completely different to somebody else. But that's that's art, isn't it? But it was a huge hit, and I would play it at the bus stop, and all the dancers and all the people watching the dancers would all be screaming the chorus, Burning down the house! <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> all you need for a hit single, isn't it? Oh, just a, a good cook. Give me a good hook, and... Uh, you got yourself a hit. I mean, think of the really good pop tune. <laughs> Nobody else could write Burning Down the House. Nobody else could perform it as well as David Byrne. Tom Jones was good. But Byrne was just something else.
This is my all-time favorite talking head song, Life During Water. Wow. My note on this. Favorite talking heads tune. Right here. Wow. Two minds occupying one single moment. I love Life During Water. I love that it starts and doesn't stop. album it just fades out it fades out because, yeah because the whole point of this one is this is about war hence the title life during wartime and burn's philosophy on it was there is there's no visible ending it just continues and goes on and on it just feels like you're in it all the time so he faded the song out instead of letting it come to a conclusion obviously in the live version it ends so you get an extra line or two at the end of the song that you don't hear on fear of music but I love this. I know every single word of that. And it is my, it is my all-time favourite talking head song about a guy who has to change his look and change his identity. Again, a popular David Bourbon theme, changing who you are. That He gets to the point where I've changed my hairstyle so many times now, I don't know what I look like. It's still one of my favourite songs of all time, particularly talking head songs. I love, love like this song. I think it's a great song. I wish I could play the whole thing for you people. <laughs> well, you can. We'll worry about the lawyers later. <laughs> yeah. We've been meeting with the crowd We got computers We're tapping phone lines Know that that ain't allowed We dress like students We dress like housewives 
Another good tune. Making flippy floppy. <laughs> Try to do your best. Wait a minute. Everybody.
another song I had to laugh out loud at when I started listening to the lyrics. Yeah, um, again, I have no, I'm not got a clue about this one. I'm sorry, I got nothing. It's brilliant to listen to, and it's actually really fun to sing. Nothing comes between us. Do, 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 do. Nothing gets you down. But it's a, if it's about anything, I've not got a clue. Snap into position, bounce till you ache. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think no it's about idea. anything other than it's either about, uh, like I say, it's either about dancing or making out, making love, making whoopee. Uh, we are born without eyesight, we are born without sin. Our mama protects us from the cold and the rain. We're in no hurry, sugar and spice. I am looking this bit up. We sing in the darkness, we open our eyes. And it's like, okay. Okay, yeah, David. Because <laughs> somewhere in that, later when he's talking about flippy floppy, he actually uses those words. It almost sounds like he's saying something about in the bed and move over there and we'll just start over or something. Making flippy floppy, trying to do my best. Lock the door and we kill the beast. Hey! I can't believe it. Do, 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 do. See, I've got into it now, even though I've not got a clue what it is. See, there it is. It's the talking heads. You can't help it. You just can't help it. It's a very funky song. Well, this one. Well, that was an. It. That's what I love about David Byrne. David Byrne includes funk, but new wave funk. I mean, there's still that funk there. You can't get away from it. It's a blues. He's almost a blues funk band, but he's putting chords and then a rhythm on top of it that says, well, wait a minute, this was just a rock tune, just a blues tune, but now it's got bongos and conga drums and a little reggae beat going on, and you're dancing. What is all that about? from and that sounds like a music cue mm. here is swamp
And the chorus to this one. Let's go. Hi. Hi, 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 hi. Oh! It's like, okay. But it's, it works, doesn't it? Because this is what's great about music. Sometimes it doesn't have to make sense, hence the title of the album. Yeah, I don't think it does need to make sense. A good record, you know. But that might fall back to me being, you know, a music guy and worrying about the lyrics later. If I like the sound, then I'll go figure out what your lyrics are. And to me, that's always a bonus. If you like the song, just from a musical standpoint, and then you actually figure out what the lyrics are, and you go, oh, that's really good. It just adds even another whole layer <clears throat> on on top of uh, you already like the tune, you're already humming it, you've already got the beat in your head. Now you figure out what they're actually trying to tell you. <laughs> Which, again, it's so good. <laughs> I have no idea. But it sounds good. Yes, yes, it does. We've already done nine songs on this. On this, so if we had done the original, we'd be done now. But we'd no. be finished, yeah. But the extended version has more songs on it. Still, not all the songs that are in the movie. Cities isn't on here. That's right, Cities, which is, is in the film. Cities isn't on here, which is also from uh, Fear of Music. Find a city, find myself a city to live in. That's not on here. So this still isn't the full version. Despite what it may say. Oh, it doesn't say. No, it does say on the cover of the album. It says contains all the songs. So we move along to song number 10 of Stop What a day that was. Let me tell you a story. 
day. So this one's a lot more mellow. Yes, but still many, many, many layers. Still much going on to this. So we're getting to the part of the concert now where they've, they've mellowed out a little bit and the next couple of songs, they're all a little bit more laid back. Well, a few songs ago, we mentioned uh, that he finally brought out a choir. I forgot what that tune was, but it, 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 was, it had everything in it from like a church revival all the way up to a reggae new wave song. It was just brilliant. And they're doing that again. So uh, the choir will come back. What's he saying here? That's a very good question. <laughs> uh, what a day that was. I don't know. It's a, again, this is more of a song that you're responding to on a level of this is very laid back. But as to what he's at, because it, it, it's another one of them that it's properly written. There is, there's still a chorus to it, but it's a very slight one. And it does feel like he's telling you a story of some description in the next one. This is more like the Sundays in that's a story in the song. Well, one of the lines. I'm lost as to what he's saying. Well, I loved one of the lines, and it's it's going on and on about uh, all this. That the the first day was so great, apparently, that uh, there's just nothing left to do. He he repeats that over that the second day, on the second day, there was nothing left to do. We had so much fun, I guess, with the first day. Well, then he's he's talking about that everyone's now a beggar roaming in the streets and they've no possessions and nothing so after the once the second day rolls around this paradise has turned into not paradise and then there's an electrical storm and there's a chain reaction and then he starts dreaming of a new city which will go into what he starts talking about more as they go along like we mentioned nothing but flowers earlier on which was was his pay unto a, an easier society and it, this seems like it's a similar thing. He's kind of wanting to get rid of all the clutter that surrounds you and get back to something more simple. But then when you get back to something more simple, you miss all of the, the technological advancements that you've made. Love that. Just love I'm that. just making that up. <laughs> Sounds good. I love it. I'll go with it. We're moving you got forwards me. and backwards, moving backwards and forward. We're enjoying themselves. We're moving in every direction. So you can't just keep going. You can't look for something that has gone. You have to try and take what technology has brought us and what life has brought you and move forward with it and try and marry the two together in such a way that it gives you a more harmonious life. That's what what a day that was was to me. This must be the place is the next one which is a lovely little song about just going home. At, at my note, nice little tune about going home. Mm, which is essentially what it is. Sometimes the simple themes are the easiest. Certainly for us to understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
there's nothing, you know, outstanding. This is not like they're trying to impress anybody with, with their virtuosity. It's just a nice little tune, but everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. Just done really well. I wanna be pick me up and turn me around. Yeah, it's just a song about I just wanting to go home from wherever he is, wherever he's found himself. He just wants to go home and see some familiar faces. And that's a lovely little song. I like that one. It would never be like my list of top ten favorite Talking Heads songs, but whenever I listen to it, I enjoy it. Yeah. There's a lot of music like that, that, you know, on albums, and you think sometimes if you think of a particular album, one or two of the songs might jump out and might go, oh, yeah, Life, you know, great song, uh, A Day in the Life, uh, great song. But, you know, that other little tune wasn't bad either, and especially when you listen to it, and I think this is one of those songs. Uh, not a throwaway, you know, it's not a filler. It's a nice little tune, good tune. And then you, you get, what was this the biggest hit? Yeah, this is it. This, this, now we get to uh, what I think most people would consider to be their, their most recognizable greatest hits uh, once in a lifetime. Same as it ever was. 
But I love the way he delivers it. That's oh, yeah. The, to to me, it's the delivery lyrics. that sells this song. If you do read the lyrics, and it's just talking about, you know, here's my beautiful wife and my beautiful job and my beautiful this and my beautiful karma. How the hell did I get here? <laughs> you know, it's, th- is this what I had planned? Is this where I wanted to be? And it's uh, the same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. And then he repeats it. Same as it ever was. Same. This is a brilliant, brilliant song. How did I get here? My it, God, what have I done? Oh, God, I love this song. And I don't get tired of Once in a Lifetime. Well, I like the imagery as well. I like that he's, he's using water as a cleansing mechanism. Yes. Because he's saying water dissolved, water removed. So he's using the water, he's using water or rain or a waterfall or just water generally to try and cleanse his life. Because he does, like he keeps asking himself, how did I get here? Does he want to be here anymore? Is this where he saw himself? It's another song about looking at your life and deciding, is this where I want to be? That's why I think it's it's a rewrite of the one that we had earlier, what a day that was. Only this is, this gets his point across better. Yes. And and the melody is better. That's more. This is more uh, uh, recognizable as a as a tune, as a hit, as a. I don't want to say hit, but because the other one's a great song, but this one stays with you. It's got the catch. It's got a hook in it again. Yeah, this is all great, but is this what I wanted? How did I get here? Do I really want a wife and kids and white picket fence? Love this song. Love, 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 love this song. Maybe my second or third favorite on this. Probably third. I'll come down because I like that other one. <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, I have no problem listening to this song. Well, it's, it, it, I suppose you could say he's wondering, does he need all of this stuff as well? Is he just trying to declutter his life in that way? Does he need the big house? Does he need the big automobile? Is that a sign of his success? Or is it just more stuff yeah because at some point you just think how many of these big things can I, how many cars do I need or want well it depends if you're a collector how many comic yeah. books do you need how many well, record that, albums do you need I got, I got to that point this Christmas when Angela was asking me what I want for Christmas and I'm like how many books do I really need I've got to the point now I've got loads of stuff I've not read I'll, I'll just read all the stuff I've not read yet and then next year maybe I'll want something else I've got to the point in life now where just owning stuff for the sake of owning stuff isn't of interest to me anymore. And that feels like that's what Once in a Lifetime's about. Uh, you're right. It's down to the very individual people. And now for Stop Making Sense, we come to the first... <laughs> See how I do that? Almost yeah, it's like very good. Just slip. This is song number 13. And it's actually the first song that's not really the Talking Heads. No, David Byrne goes off and has a break in the Tom Tom Club, which were Chris France and Tina Weymouth take over. I never liked Tom Tom Club. Coming at you right now, ladies and gentlemen, the Tom Tom 
Exactly, and right now I couldn't even tell you what the other one was, other than they were two kind of pop disco-y dance tunes that uh, the kids liked, and I was just not a big fan of Tom Tom Cole. So yeah, so we'll go, go straight to Girlfriend is Better. Is it? And so again, it's the, the, the narrator of the song or the protagonist in the song is asking himself, 
about his own life. There's a lot of reflection in David Byrne's songs, aren't there? There's a lot of taking stock of who you are as a person and wondering... Because there isn't there a, a popular philosopher or something who said the, un, the unexamined life isn't worth living or something pretentious like that? Yeah, There's an awful lot of, of examining his life going on in Byrne's protagonists. You kind of get the feeling that he's achieved this level of success and you're not quite sure whether he's happy about it, which may explain why he just walked away. He's another guy. He just walked away from talking heads, didn't he? Yeah. I think he enjoyed the music but didn't like the celebrity. I don't. I think he's one of those that says, let me do my music and do this and just don't bug me. Don't bother me. You know, I'd rather yeah. be, you know, putting hot pokers in my eyes. <laughs> Well, it comes down to what do you want to do? Do you want to be a musician or do you want to be Kim Kardashian? And I think David Byrne decided he wanted to be a musician, which is fair enough. I mean, it's hard to imagine somebody like him becoming famous now. He wouldn't get that platform anymore because they have to be pretty. Right. And they have to play the media game, and he, he didn't want it. He's not interested. He just wanted to write his music. He wanted to be famous if he wanted to be famous at all for being a musician and not for being famous for being famous. This is a good tune. I really like this song. I like uh, Girlfriend is Better. And it's also a trivia note where the title stop making sense comes from. Yeah, he actually does use it in this, the lyric in this Yeah, he uses the phrase stop making sense in this song. But it's not actually a song in and of itself. Just terrific. Mm. Take Me to the River is a cover by Al Green. I love their version of this. I think it's a yeah, it's, it's a good version of 
we saw them, isn't it? Because by this point, you've got the full choir on stage, you've got the full orchestra, all of the band are on there, he's dancing around in his big suit. It's so all there. Full, it's yeah. all there. It, it would seem to be an odd choice. You don't end your concerts with a cover of somebody else's song. Yeah, that's why I was totally, you know, surprised. Um, you know, when I looked at the credits and I realized that they weren't listening it as the last song. And I didn't remember, in my brain, Girlfriend was the last song. They go off, they come back, they sing uh, Take Me to the River, and then go away. But on this, one, they don't do an encore, they don't leave the stage, they come back, they do this, and then they follow it with Cross-Eyed and Painless as the yeah. last song. Cross-Eyed and Painless, is, it's not a song I'm actually particularly fond of. And I think it ends the record on a very low key. I, I agree. I think you would have been better finishing with Girlfriend is Better. I agree, totally. I think Girlfriend is Better should have been the last song. Uh, I think personally, if I were doing it this way, if I were going to set up their set list, uh, I would have included Take Me to the River, but in the middle of the set somewhere, maybe around song six, seven, or eight. Or do it after Tom Tom Club. Or do it do after it, Tom. Do it Tom when Tom. Burn comes back on stage. Yes, but and end then with your song. Do Cross-Eyed and Painless and then do Girlfriend is Better. Exactly. It kind of ends the album on a bit of a low-key note. Yes. And you don't, you're not really walking away humming Cross-Eyed and Painless. No.
but it's one thing because he's, he's, there's not a lot of singing in it. Sorry, um, the, the it ends with like a a, a rap. Facts are simple and facts are straight. Facts are lazy and facts are light. Facts all come with points of view. So he's actually <laughs> there's nothing for you to sing as you leave right. the concert hall. Right, right. It's almost like they're saying it's time to go home. Go home now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you've got the recurring "I'm still waiting" chorus that fades the song out, but it's not as catchy a number to finish with as "Girlfriend Is Better." Yeah, I would have ended with "Girlfriend Is Better," go off stage, and like I said, I would have had "Take Me to the River" somewhere earlier in the body, and probably would not have put uh, "Burning Down the House" in the middle of the concert, even though everybody wanted it. Go off after "Girlfriend Is uh, Is Better." Wait, 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 Long, he's not coming, they're not coming back, oh, they're not coming back. Burning down the house! And finish with that. Then you got everybody up, they're cheering, and by the time they finish cheering, it's an Elvis trick. You're in your limo, you're on your way out, and they're still, you know, jumping up and down singing, burning down the house. And where is it to go after you've burned down the house, really? Exactly. You go home, it's over. Yeah, it's a good place to end. But uh, I think it would have played better earlier in the concert. I could have played better if they hadn't played Cross-Eyed and Perilous, to be honest <laughs> well, with you. Well, yeah, yeah, I agree. Which is mainly, I bet it, I bet it wasn't one of the nine original songs on the first release. I no, it wasn't. did not put Cross-Eyed and Perilous. No, it, it certainly wasn't. But as a whole, what an incredible album and an incredible concert. Yeah, it's great. I love Stop Making Sense. I love Talking Heads. I love everything that they ever did. And there is something to be said for having a finite output. I think one of the best things that the Beatles ever did was not get back together. Yes, I agree. Because you've not got that tarnished legacy that perhaps the Rolling Stones have, that they've yeah. carried on maybe past the sell-by date. I don't know. That's entirely up to you to judge as a fan of, of their work. But the Beatles, because they didn't get back together, they've left a legacy that is unblemished. Right. And Talking Heads have that legacy as well, and sort of the Smiths. It's like the bands, much as I would love to see them live, it wouldn't be seeing them live in the prime. No, if these five a, guys if these five guys got back together, the Talking Heads, it would not be the Talking Heads. Hmm. And I mean, there's, there's a part them. I mean it, it, there's a part of me that thinks that no, you should leave it then. Because yeah, it would just be it. a cash grab. Yeah, leave it, leave it. Um, incredible band. But Last chance. What else about top? Stop, top. Stop making sense. It's just a great album to put on and listen to as well. And you can watch it as well because it was filmed as a, a film. It is available by um, was it Jonathan Demme who directed it? Uh, I think it is actually. You're right. And, who did uh, Silence of the Lambs? Exactly. So it's it is worth watching, but it works just as well. As a listening experience, yes, I does. love it. I love talking ads. I love stop making sense. It's it's just great. It's just it's just great. I do love it. Do love it, Andy. We've got to get together again sometime and do another one of these bad boys, <laughs> and uh, find out what we want to do next time. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll squeeze one in somewhere. <laughs> if we plan it now, maybe we'll get it recorded in six months.
Andrew Leyland can also be found on great podcasts like Hey Kids Comics, which he co-hosts with his son, Michael. And he's also on Listen to the Prophets with co-hosts Paul Spitaro and Sean Engel. And I think Dr. Bill Robinson shows up over there from time to time on that show. And he also co-hosts The Fantasticast with Stephen Lacey. And of course, his solo show, Palace of Glittering Delights. Oh, and he is the semi-regular, permanent, sometimes there, sometimes not, co-host of Michael Bailey's Views from the Long Box. Andy is quite a busy podcaster. My name is Bob Fisher, and you can find me at Superman Forever Radio. That's supermanforever.com. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2 True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2 True Freaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2 True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2TrueFreaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number 2. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.